970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to I Am Real Estate. I'm here with East Coast Supar and Stephen Ebert, and we're talking about real estate, inflation, what's going on, what we predict for 2022, and any questions you might have for us. Um, so call in with anything, but want to go over, uh, talk a little about inflation and what, what's going on with inflation. I mean, you're hearing that on the radio and on news. That inflation, I think, is uh, up 39.9%. It's the highest it's been for 30 years. Uh, so amid prices and inflation fears, you know, what does that do to real estate? And real estate is always known as a hedge against inflation. And why do I say that? Because when inflation happens um, and things all go up, uh and, this, you know, then what happens is prices go up in real estate. So if you have real estate, um, those that will appreciate with inflation. So, you know, it's a hedge against it, meaning that uh, people buy it because they see inflation coming. And, again, I don't know if this is temporary or it's here to stay. But if they see inflation and they buy a property, it, as in, if inflation continues, that property will still go up by due to inflation. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think this uh, inflation is temporary? Or do you think that uh, it's going to be here to stay? Anyone think anything? I mean, on you that? want to go first? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, look, I think there were some temporary elements that pushed it. You know, supply chain issues. Uh, and the like, but I think there's been a number of steps where unless if we change the trajectory, um, there are all these pressures on inflation. I think what's kept it down is some counterpoints um, by government, because the reality is there is a tremendous amount of sovereign or government debt globally. So there are these two conflicting steps that keep on going back and forth, and I think that's what's throwing off the projections. On the one hand, governments around the world are incentivized to keep inflation low because of sovereign debt, and that triggers government policies and how much they can spend. On the other hand is you have the reality. The fact is the cost of food has gone up. The fact is whether you agree or disagree with the policy, the government is engaging in certain regulations on how to build when it comes to cars or when it comes to homes, where those will be inflationary because the cost of construction will go up. And some of this is national and some of this is local. good example in Los Angeles, in the Hollywood Hills area, they, the local government changed some of the zoning rules to effectively increase the cost of single-home construction by about 40% because they wanted to disallow the use of timber and basically forcing the use of metal and concrete, which is just more expensive materials. So there's, I think, a broader conversation but also it's a geographic one in the country because of how, you know, construction is done and the market, right? 
we've talked on the show about maybe, you know, 3D printing of communities that went in Texas. We've talked about modular homes. Those are a different type of a market, price points and costs than other parts of the market. So it makes a little bit of the data, I think, tough for the individual consumer because it's a little scattershot. But I think overall, you're seeing those inflationary pressures. Um, and, and I think that's, um, you know, a concern. I mean, even down to workers, you know, look at, for example, in the food service industry, again, it's tough to get workers. But at the same time, New York City has been tougher than New Jersey. So there's a few different, I think, uh, bits to consider. It's not across the board. You're not, you're not saying it's the same everywhere. But it's not true that when yeah. inflation increases, I mean, I think somebody had sent me a question, and they said, well, I put X amount on my mortgage. That's about 25% down, so is my house going to increase more? And I just want to tell you this, and I kind of emphasize this. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, I think this is something you talk to your accountants about, not me, but your house is going to go up or down, regardless of how much you put down. So if you put, let's say the house was 700000 I'm just using a number, and let's say you put $400,000 down, and let's say Ace or Steve, they buy this as a house next door and for seven hundred, but they put 100000 or 150000 down. As prices rise, they're both going to rise at the same time, okay? Um, you know, when inflation increases, so does real estate and the assets of real estate. So the house prices increase by the rate of inflation, okay, times the cost of the house, not by the cost of your down payment. So your down payment isn't going to mean, will have nothing to do related to what you sell your house for. If you put a little down or a lot down, it's going to sell for the same price. So that is why, and it's not, you know, I can't give financial advice on the phone to like mass people. You have to speak to your accountant. But that's why sometimes people feel and it all depends on your comfortableness and your stage in life and whatever, your circumstances. But sometimes people will prefer they just want to be secure and say, look, I'm gonna, I have the money to pay the house off in cash or put a lot down and have low payments. And well, I'm going to do that because I don't want to have to worry about, you know, years from now, worrying to have to keep up a mortgage payment. And some people say, no, I'm going to put a minimum amount down. And I'm going to have that extra money that I would have put in my house, and that would be equity. But equity does nothing for you while it's in the house. I mean, it's not working for you. And I'm going to take that equity out. Instead of putting it all down in the down payment, let's just say I'll put $300,000 down and keep that extra money and, 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 and invest it in something or look to make that make money. Because once it's in the equity in your house, it's in there. And it's not going to make your house go up or down. Am I saying that, uh, that that's, you know, that's so you want to really talk to your financial person about how much you should put down if you're in a position where you have a choice of putting a lot down or a smaller amount. And that would depend on where you are in life, your financial, you know, circumstances, and also what you plan to do. It's something that you should really look at and talk to a, a financial guy. I mean, look, real estate's big business. Prices are big. Um Definitely, okay. and, and and Dottie, with talks of with talks, yeah, and, and with talks of New York City possibly uh, reforming the salt deductions, you know, one of the biggest oh, advocates they that, need we, to do that, that we talked about 
they need to do that. And, and one of the things that we talked about when sitting down with a client is, you know, a mortgage is probably one of the biggest tax shelters that you can have, right? And, and to your point, Dottie, depending on your situation, but with rates being so low, we try to tell them to take advantage of debt financing as much as you can. So in the past, if rates were higher, we'd say put more down. Right now, rates are so low that we're telling clients put put the lease amount down if you can qualify, right? Because rates are so low, it's almost like getting free money. So take advantage of the rates now because you may never see these type of rates again. So let's say five years down the line when rates go up and you decide, hey, I want to take up more financing, it's going to cost you more. So right now, with rates being so low, if you can afford it, we tell them, look, put as little down as possible, take as much from the bank as, and, and leverage the financing that they're willing to give you and use your cash for other investments, right? So it's uh, it's a great thing. And going to inflation, Dottie and Stephen, the Federal Reserve has, has always targeted 2% inflation. Right now, we're at 6.8%, guys, right? So it's very, very high. And the only way to hedge inflation is really putting your money in other assets, such as real estate, where to your point, Dottie, if prices go up, you know, the price of real estate will continue to go up as well. So it's a little bit of a hedge against inflation, and that's why people are are, are looking towards real estate so much more. Yeah, that's why I think well. there's even going to be more demand. Oh, I am so Correct. thrilled. I, I um, As I told you in the beginning of the show, I have a very special guest who's kind of the, I would say, guy, he's the encyclopedia of real estate, Amir Karanji. Um, is an, hi, Tamir. He's an American publisher and a film producer who's founded the business magazine, The Real Deal, which is the Bible for all real estate. Hi, Daddy, How are you? So thank you. Oh, how are you? Thank I'm you for so having me. Speak to Good. You. The last time I saw you was at the comedy club, I think. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, That's one of our friends and we'll get together there. Was a, there. There was a lot of legends there, including you. Yes. Let me ask you, you know, I'm reading your bio, and of course, I know you from way back when, and I'm and like, it's five pages, okay? It's like, I can't, like, I, it's so much, but you are an adjunct, an adjunct professor of media and real estate in New York University, uh, and will you Columbia, know, yes. and you, um, you, after graduate studies at Emerson College, you moved to New York in 1999 and worked at Yahoo and eventually began investing in New York City real estate. And these transactions inspired you to recognize a void in the industry for compelling real estate news. And yes. in April 2003, Karanji put the first edition of The Real Deal from his apartment in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn. And the real deal, guess, which is the Bible, the cover, anybody who's in real estate or wants to know about real estate, um, the real deal provides an inside look into the prominent New York real estate market as well as reports national and international market trends. There are also South Florida and Los Angeles editions of the real estate available online deal, daily. And I'm telling you, there is, I'm in the business. That's my Bible. Okay? Now, I mean, I, 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 I remember when we first met, and you were, as you said, you were in an apartment in Brooklyn. Yes. And you That's were just starting out. And yes, yes, and I had just bought the company, and so obviously the New York Times and the Post, and they were all asking me to give them the story. And Amir really right. was working in a, a little apartment in Brooklyn, and the real deal, nobody even knew about it, just came out. And I met him, and as soon as I met him, and I say this, I, it was the, I 
couldn't make this up. I knew he was a home run and a winner, and I gave him the story on the Doug, which is a big story then that Douglas Elliman was purchased. Uh, it, it was a record price so for that it was by Howard Warburg and Dottie Herman, and there's a whole it was a whole bunch of media about it. And I gave the story to Amir. I gave it to you. Yes, the real deal. Yes, you did. And you. And we had you on the cover. You were on the. You were the very second cover of the. How you got here and what you've done in uh, in taking that magazines and really made it a bible. How did you like? Yeah, give us how that all happened for you. Well, you know, I came to uh, New York because I really wanted to be in publishing, and um, you know, like everybody else, I was looking for an apartment and realized how expensive everything is and. You know, when I my first job in the city, I was making about you know forty forty two thousand dollars a year, which at the time was a lot of money for me. And but I, the, my rent was such a big chunk of my uh, uh, you know my paycheck that I thought maybe it would be better for me to buy something. And uh, so I started to look for places where I could afford uh, something to buy. And, of course, the more I looked, the further away from Manhattan I got. But then I ended up going to Prospect Heights. And this was before Brooklyn really started to gentrify and stuff. So I, I ended up buying, uh, you know, for me, I knew that as long as I was near a train, near the subway in New York City, I, I would be okay. I was like, as long as I can be in Union Square or somewhere downtown, you know, within uh, 25, 30 minutes, it's, it's worthwhile. And so I ended up buying something in, um, in Prospect Heights. And, um, and then, you know, I, I lost my job at uh, Yahoo!, and I thought that, oh, my God, I can't afford to keep this place. And I actually ended up waiting tables. And I went to sell my apartment. And uh, I realized that it had gone up in value by, like, almost 200%, which I, had, I didn't realize at all because I, I'd only been there for, like, you know, 16 months. But the gentrification of Brooklyn was happening at such a pace. This was the early 2000s. And, like, you know, prices were, like, going up like crazy. And uh, when, I, when I, I sold the property and I was like, this is the best thing ever because I made so much more money than just working at a desk. And I took the money and I started buying from local brokers in Brooklyn, like, you know, on Flatbush Avenue, the local guys, right. and then marketing it to the Manhattan market. And then I was just like flipping apartments uh, for my flipping apartments and small townhouses. Uh, you know, I did like, uh, like, I don't know, like 14 of them in a matter of like three mm-hmm. years. And then I sort of missed uh, publishing. And there was this one deal that I didn't, uh, I never, uh, I wasn't, it wasn't supposed to happen. And the deal did happen. And I, you know, I, I ended up with, uh, you know, $80,000. And I was like, you know what? I wasn't supposed to have this money. So let me put this towards uh, publishing and, you know, get back into publishing somehow. And I didn't intend to make any money from it because, you know, I was doing it out of my apartment. And I was like, I'll just burn through this 80K, putting out the magazine that I want. And at least I'll have, I'll do something in publishing. And then it's, it's, I'm sorry. It's a passion of yours, wasn't it? Yeah, I went to school for journalism. I, you know, I was in, uh, I was a journalist before, so it's something that I always liked, and I wanted to get back into it. But the money was never up to par compared to like flipping the apartments in Brooklyn and you know some of the other areas. And you know, I started doing stuff in Boston too, and it was uh, so that money was so good that I was like, I'll never stop flipping houses because the, you know, especially in the early two thousands. I mean, you know, that was like the boom period for real estate, and I mean that continued for the uh, next. 20 years, but 
it was uh, it, that was just the start of it. So I was like, I'll always uh, like you know flip apartments. It's the best money. But then when it, then the real deal became bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we're in Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, you know, South Florida, and New York, and hopefully we'll be in Texas by the end of the year. Another booming market. Well, really, so you you know I remember when you started out and you had nothing and you you really you know we you know like I said you worked out of a little apartment. And you have taken that. I mean, I remember the first issue of The Real Deal, and you had just New York then. Uh, and I watched what you've done with that, because honestly, no one knew The Real Deal. It was never it was a new magazine, and, you know, it's not that, you know, it's not. It was. And, and, and he quickly really built that magazine to be the Bible. And I tell you, the Bible for real estate. I mean, I, I lived through it. There's never uh, an issue that I missed of all the issues that he has. And I know when I read that, I'm going to find that real information. It's not slanted. And unfortunately, with the press and everything today, sometimes, you know, I'm not too anxious to listen to what they have to say or actually believe in it. So how did you, like, okay, you know, I think you're a genius. I mean, I'm just saying that. I mean, I think you're, you know, a great human being, I think. But I have such respect for you. And I've watched, you know, Thank everyone you, thinks when they see somebody like you so successful, they feel, oh, well, you know. They don't look at your the, the roots that you the humble roots and how you really built this from nothing. And I right. watched you build the real deal, and I don't think there's any uh, publication that even remotely comes close to it. I mean, you've cornered that market, and I can't see you having. I mean, I guess there's always some competition, but not competition that's at par with you. What you know? What gives you the impetus to grow it? And how did you grow it over the years? And you even grew the publication to be a lot more inclusive of many things. How did that all come to you? Well, you know, it was a matter of what we could cover. When I started The Real Deal, nobody was covering real estate news. The New York Times didn't have a dedicated, even though the real estate section for The Times at the time in, in the early 2000s was the highest grossing section for The Times, they didn't have a dedicated real estate reporter or editor. They would have rotating people from the style section and other sections write stories as though it was a chore. But, uh, and the same thing for The Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal had only one reporter for the whole country covering real estate. So it was so random that uh, it, I'm sorry. So, so, so you picked up on a trend that was basically you were visionary because nobody was doing it. It, everybody was doing real estate was picking up steam at the point. Look, in the 1990s, the demand for it, people, not everybody was into real estate the way they are today, right? Like at, in the 1990s, real estate was growing up at 2%, 4% a year. It was in the 2000s when people started seeing like real growth and seeing real estate as a commodity where they could try trade. And you had more people becoming real estate brokers than any time in history. And you had more real estate transactions than any time in history than, than you have in the last 20 years so people from all ages and all sort of uh, you know backgrounds are interested in real estate today more than they ever were before so you know for me when I, I was you know I got into it and I was like this is incredible and you know I, I, I was always looking for information and news on how I could better understand the market and what I could learn from the market so I could apply it to my own deals and I couldn't find anything to read. I was literally looking for all the content I could get. And, you know, in the early uh, 2000s, you didn't have uh, – the Internet was not as robust as it is today. You know, but now we are 
you know, we, pr- we produce more real estate content uh, than all the dailies and weeklies combined. Yeah, I want you to tell us a little bit about that. We just have a quick break, Amir, and then what I'd like you to tell us where the real deal is now and how people can get it if they don't know about it, really. Um, but we have a quick break. We'll be right back. And back with sure. the guy who started the real deal and is a brilliant real estate man and I think a friend. I will. We'll be right back. Want to do something truly memorable to celebrate the new year? Why not sail into 2022 aboard the Atlantis yacht, enjoying a 360-degree view of Manhattan? The Atlantis of New York Cruises is hosting a New Year's Eve party that is guaranteed to impress. With three levels to party, their main dining salon, lounge deck, and sky deck, guests have tons of room to take in the iconic skyline and ring in the new year. Forget the crowded land-based venues. Celebrate in style with fireworks, family, and fantastic views. Event itinerary includes hors d'oeuvres and gourmet buffet, premium open bar featuring their gold bar with festive New Year's Eve cocktails and live DJ entertainment. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip. Now, space is limited. For more information or to buy tickets, visit NewYorkCruises.com. That's NewYorkCruises.com or call them 718-646-8083. That's 718-646-8083. And tell them Mike Gallagher sent you. Relief Factor. Pain relief that works. Pain relief that's real. Pain relief that is liberating tens of thousands of Americans from their daily pain. In me included. But not just me. People like Yvonne from California. This is Yvonne's story. Both my husband and I are in our 70s and are so grateful to have found Relief Factor. We tried so many other solutions, but none of them have given us the freedom of being pain-free like Relief Factor. Just those two words, pain-free. That should be you. That could be you. Find out today by ordering the three-week quick starter pack for just nineteen ninety-five at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. relieffactor.com. Route 22 Toyota. All right, Alex Kinsella, he wants you to know that due to the current landscape in the automotive industry, your current vehicle has never been worth more. That's right. Alex told me that he's paying overbooked value for all makes and models. So get over to Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey right now and find out how much your vehicle is worth, whether you lease, finance your vehicle, or own it outright. It's worth more now than ever before. Alex says it does not matter if you purchase or lease a new vehicle. They're offering overbooked value for any maker model supply is low which means your vehicle is in demand and our friends at route 22 toyota they are making it worth your time it's 973-705-8905 you speak to someone on alex's team you get more than ever before for your current vehicle the address at route 22 toyota is 109 route 22 west in hillside new jersey 973-705-8905 or start here please route 22 toyota It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. You're back. We're listening and listening to I on Real Estate. I'm Dottie Herman. I'm here with Ace Plus Sue Pop, Stephen Eden, and our special guest, Amir Karanji, and he is famous, and he's built a, a huge business. That's not all he does. He does so many things I can't even get into it. Um, he has so many interests. He 
see, you did a documentary. Didn't you do a film? Don't you do films, too? You did a feature documentary, in your, didn't you, on Costas Kandilis? Yes, we did. We did a, a documentary for PBS uh, on Costas Kandilis, who is the architect who designed more high-rises than anybody else in the history of New York, which is really strange. Yes, I knew him. I knew him in a day. I mean, unfortunately, he's not alive now, but he was the architect. I mean, he was the name when you heard about famous or select, you know, architects. Costas kind of had a floor. So you did a documentary on him also. So you, you have so many different talents. But going back to what you said, so you started The Real Deal in New York, and then... You started expanding on that and giving information, and you were truly correct. There was no place to get information. The New York Times had a big real estate section, but it was really people selling their houses. Yeah. It wasn't that much real estate. And at a time, I think the Post kind of covered it. Uh, There was a time when uh, uh, Braden, uh, Kyle kind of covered that pretty thoroughly, but it wasn't like yours. It wasn't real information. It was kind of more gossipy and and who's who that sold their houses. So you were the first publication. Well, yeah, we, what made you? Yeah, we tried to cover some of that stuff too. You're in, you're in Miami, in Florida. Where else? You're in Texas. We're, so we're in, we're in South Florida. We're in Chicago. We're in Los Angeles, San Francisco, of course, New York, and then hopefully in uh, in the three cities in Texas. Uh, uh, That'll be great. That's quarter. really on fire. Yeah. So Austin and let me Houston ask you something. You, you, right what do you see? What do you see? Um, where do you see New York City, and do you see similarities between all the markets that you're in, or you see very different? So you seeing, and where do you see New York City, um, and some of the? Where do you see North New York City a year or two from now? Well, you know, one thing that I've noticed that uh, that sort of goes across in uh, all the markets is um, how everything has the price of everything, how it's gone up, and how people are willing to pay for really expensive stuff. There's been an, an incredible amount of wealth that was created in the last couple of years. And, of course, yeah. those people, uh, you know, they want to put their money into hard assets as the inflation keeps going up. So, you know, people are paying for real estate at a higher price than they ever have before because they realize that their money is not going to have the same value uh, as it did, you know, several years ago. And as, as the years come, that the, the value of their currency is not going to hold well, while real estate will hold value in most cases. It'll continue to go up. Well, that's but, it. Know, we we, the dollar is going to be less valuable because we're printing so much of it. And so people are looking. Yeah. That's a cyber currency, I think. I think that's but one of the reasons. Think about all the, of, just think about all the crazy wealth that was created out of thin air with the cryptocurrencies. You have trillions of dollars that was created out of thin air with cryptocurrencies. And a lot of those people are putting their, you know, taking that, you know, money that was like basically created out of nothing and they're putting it into real estate and buying hard assets with it. And you see some of these deals, you see some of these crazy deals that are happening. Like you saw the NFT, some NFT sold for $70 billion. And that was like some crypto guy. Like those guys have like no concept of money uh, because like it was really created out of thin air for them. And they're, they're the ones who are paying the most amount for some of these real estate assets. Yesterday we did a story on a $50 million home that sold in, um, in Southern California and, you know, the price of it had gone up by so much, it, it just didn't make sense. And it turns out it was some crypto guy who wanted to unload cash, and he ended up paying $50 million for a house that was probably worth, you know, closer to maybe $35 million or $30 million. I'm sorry? 
He did that so he can create cash. In other words, he bought it for a lot more than it was worth just so he can get cash. Uh, yeah, so he, I mean, he bought it because he's trying to unload his crypto. Not that uh, any, uh, not that crypto is going anywhere, but crypto is very volatile, right? It goes up by like thirty percent. It comes down by thirty percent. So you know, he took that crypto out and bought real estate with it because he knows that's like a hard asset. That's you know, that's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to have those you know wild swings of going it's not up. Not going to have wild swings. I, I you know, I right. think if you buy real estate, as long as you don't have to sell it at a time that you don't want to sell it. Um, I think over the long you know, people run. People always ask, when is a good time to buy? Is this a good time to buy? Is this a bad time to sell? I always tell them you know that there's said, no good or bad you know, time. There's no good or bad time. There's always a market. If, if, if the market's exactly. really high, there's a market for that. If the market's really low, there's a market for that. They, you always play. You don't, you don't just pull out and say, like, I'm going to wait for the perfect timing for everything to be great. That, that's not working the market. You work the market by no, constantly being out it, there. It, it, that's great advice. And I remember before Donald Trump was president, he wrote a couple of books. And one book that he wrote, he asked me to, like, give my advice on when's the best time to buy real estate. And I said, there's right. never a best time. There's always a good time. It's just different. You employ, you, you, you just have different marketing strategies to based on the time it is. But there is never right. a bad time to buy. You just have to know the market and what's going on in the market at the time. Um, Look, we and, have a mutual and, friend. I don't uh, say because I'm in real estate, but hey, I feel. I mean, you could make millions in the stock market, and 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 people did. Okay, but I yeah. feel, you know, and again, it depends on your risk tolerance and a lot of other factors. But I just feel with real estate, it's a lot, in my opinion, and again, it's my opinion, it's a lot safer. Um, you know, if you if you can once you get in, if you can keep up the payments. Um, you know, it doesn't have the swings. Like, it really doesn't. And, you know, I don't have to watch it. Like, like a stock. It's the, you have to, it's you know, the ultimate you, asset. It could be. It, real estate is the ultimate asset, and that's why it's the largest asset class in the world, because from institutions to individuals, everybody wants real estate knowing that it's the safest bet. So it is the largest asset class in the world. You know, everyone wants a piece of it. It's just that, like, how do you get in? And there's always a way to get in. Luckily, in this country, they make it extremely easy to uh, f for home ownership, which is great. So, with you know, with the with the right investment, with the right plan, anybody can you know own a home or, or own a business or own their own real estate, and which here, is great. Maybe you could give us some point, and I hope you'll come back again. I'd love to have you on. Um, you're so knowledgeable, Absolutely. but maybe you could give everyone some advice because I think that all of us, including you, I just you know heard you say that when you started, you didn't. You weren't able to afford, like, uh, a trophy apartment in New York City. So you right. should get in somewhere. You have to start somewhere. So don't – you might have to compromise. There's always a market. Exactly yeah, there's always a market. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you find out what you can afford – first of all, everybody can afford a little bit more than they think. They can afford – you'd be surprised, especially now with the, with the interest rates being so low – that uh, people can afford things that, you know, uh, you know, 15 years ago, you would have had to buy something, you know, 25% of the size or the price. But now with the interest rates that are so low, people can afford to buy things, um, you know, that are, that are more than they thought they could afford, which, which I think is great. And I feel like it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take advantage of it, to be able to go out there and uh, buy a property and find out what you can afford and do a search. If you're in New York City, do a search. 
And I promise you, you're going to find something that you can afford. And, you know, you're going to find a, a collection of stuff you can afford. And, you know, finding the right place. Maybe it's not in the ideal neighborhood you want to live in or it's not the ideal apartment. But if you want to own real estate as an investment, there are opportunities for everyone across the board. You know, I, like I said, you know, I started out, I was making 42 grand a year. Every week I was saving $250 until I saved up to about 20 grand. And then when I got to 20 grand, I, you know, I started, uh, I bought my first apartment and then I just kept building on that and building on that. And I can't tell you how many, you know, I, I speak to a lot of major landlords and major developers, and I can't tell you how many of them started out that way. You know, David Lichtenstein, is uh, he's the chairman and CEO of uh, Lightstone, one of the largest landlords uh, in the country. You know, he started out with nothing. He bought a single, uh, he bought a, a multifamily in Brooklyn, and he leveraged that and leveraged that and leveraged that. And now he's one of the largest landlords in the entire country. I mean, he owns, uh, you know, dozens of hotels and shopping centers and, uh, you know, uh, tens of thousands of apartments. But he started out with just buying that first single asset, making it work, leveraging it, and buying another one and buying another one and making it work. Look, he doesn't bat 100% all the time. But the fact is that he's out there doing deals that are either going to add to his portfolio or, you know, push him forward in some ways. And, you know, you win some, you lose some. Hopefully you, you win more than you lose. But at the end of the day, you have to be out there, you know, playing the game. Well, you said it. You have to be in it to win it. So let me say, first of all, thank you. Now, how does somebody, I mean, we all know the real deal. I mean, everyone I know has it. Subscribe to all sure. your real deals. But how does somebody who's listening to our show, because I will post it, um, if they don't, if they if they're not subscribed, or maybe they don't work in real estate, so they don't. How would they? No, so you could just go, go online, online and get it. Hell, I mean, I, I which is the one, so I just don't. How do they? Yeah, the, the realdeal.com is the largest uh, real estate news outlet on the internet, and we post stories on there every 20 minutes, and it's divide, you know, it's uh, broken up into different markets because we really believe that real estate is a local phenomenon. So you so can't like, really yeah. do national coverage of real estate. So we have the New York, you just go to the realdeal.com and you can select the city that you're interested in and understand that market just by going through the headlines. Yeah. Amir. So listen, I media. just want to say, first of all, thank you so much. I hope you'll come My on pleasure, next Daddy. year Always like, good and to give us a, a follow-up. And I, if I don't see you, I want you to enjoy the holidays. And for those of you listening you. or those of you who are going to stream, I'm going to post all the information about the real deal so that you can sign up. And I never endorse something I don't believe in. I would tell you if you want to know about real estate, there's no better publication. And again, you know, based on the area you want, you could pick the magazine that really contributes to the area. Amir, thank you so much. Thank okay, you, I, I wish you a happy holidays. Maybe I'll see you like after the holidays. I was hoping to see you today, but they said you weren't coming to town, so hopefully next no, time. No, I'm in town. I have pneumonia. I was supposed to go to the studio, and I just, I have pneumonia, so. I'm in New York. Uh, so I just would expect that was all. But I, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be in New York. Maybe we'll catch up during the week. I'll call you, and we'll maybe get a drink together or something. You have helped build MyPillow into an amazing company. Now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back to our listeners. That's you. You know that MyPillow doesn't have the support of their box stores or shopping channels the way they used to. They've been part of this cancel culture, so they want to pass the savings directly on to you. You can now get the lowest price in the history of MyPillow for their classic standard MyPillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code, Joe P. They also have queen size, regularly $79. 
$29.98, now only $24.98 with your promo code. Or king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with your promo code Joe P. Mike has also lowered the price on his 3-inch mattress topper to 50% off with the promo code 800-651-0798, 800-651-0798, promo code Joe P. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use the promo code Joe P. It's said that if you don't like the weather, just wait a few minutes and it'll change. Well, the weather isn't the only thing changing. According to our latest research, local business owners today are saying it's getting harder to sustain their business than it was just a few months ago. They also told us that targeting the right audience with their advertising messages is more important than ever. At Salem Surround, our team of local in-market experts take that seriously. We utilize the latest research and marketing technology to deliver media plans that will exceed your expectations. Let Salem Surround show you how we can solve for your marketing challenges by bringing nationwide resources while delivering Main Street solutions. Salem Surround is here to help you through the constant changes. We promise we'll help your business stay ahead of the changing weather. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. SurroundNewYork.com, connecting you with new customers. Born from the tragedy in 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes ever since. To mark 20 years since 9-11, the Foundation's chairman and CEO, Frank Siller, connected where America was attacked, on foot from Pentagon to Shanksville to downtown Manhattan, where he retraced his brother's footsteps. Thanks to your support, Towers of Light returned to the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials. For the first time, our country recognized the people we lost to 9-11-related illness through the Foundation's name-reading ceremony. And in another first, those lost in the War on Terror had their names read aloud. That ceremony is now the newest Tunnel to Towers annual tradition. Now, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is bringing hope to heroes and their families, giving away at least a home a day from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve. Honor our vow to never forget. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, and then T.org. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to I on Real Estate. I'm here with Ace Water Supop and Stephen Ebert. And we just listened to Amir Kahanji, uh, and he is just sensational. But, you know, I, I go back with him way back then. I just want to say that I had planned to give out the read the winners and um, some of the um, I wanted to read them some of the um, what does home mean to me and I'm looking at the time and I really don't have much time to do that so I'm going to have to postpone that one more week um, but there's so many good we had so many entries and they're so good they're hard to choose on what home is and I am going to if it's okay with you. I don't. I won't put names if they don't want me to. But I'm going to ask permission. I'd like to post some of them once we pick the winner, and I'd like some of you to hear some of them and, and vote on them also. I I found it hard to pick one. It, they were just all just so wonderful on what and how important home is to everyone. The home is you know your home, and as I said last week, it it can be like a a studio apartment, it could be a mansion, it could be a tent, but 
whatever it is, it's your home, and people feel safe in their homes. And by the way, the trends all point to, and Ace, you'll remember when they were just saying, oh, that's the end of real estate, it's not going to happen, you know, no one's going to buy it, it went down, the millennials will never want it. Well, that's so untrue, okay, and um, I think it's bigger than I've ever seen it, and who would think that COVID, I mean, it was always big, but COVID brought it to a completely even a bigger level, and I don't see that changing. I just... uh, I just see that going on and on and on. And I I also want to say that for those of you who are contemplating, a lot of people are contemplating leaving jobs, starting over again, or maybe your job didn't reopen. If you listen to some of the guests I have, a majority of them, a lot of them, including myself, uh, really never planned to be in real. Just things worked out and, you know, you know something didn't work out and I, Someone said, well, why don't you get into real estate? And I said, eh, I'm a financial planner. I don't know that I want to do that. And things just happen. So if you look at some of these people's stories, they really came from nowhere. So I just want to give my own personal advice to people. If you're not passionate about something, well, then I don't think you can very be great at it. It'll be a job. But if you want to have a blessing that I feel blessed that in my life, um, and again, I wouldn't have known this when I was 20. I didn't know, gee, I want to be up in real estate. It was the furthest thing from my mind. I wanted to do what everyone wanted to do when I was growing up because for women, it was like be a teacher or be a nurse. Now, I didn't want to do bedpan, so that was out. Okay, but, okay, I said, well, then I'll just become a teacher. And then, you know, when I did that, I was like, well, this is good, but, you know, I need to make more money. And it's not like... It just, you know, it's great, and I love teaching people. It's still a part of me, but I, you know, I love mentoring people, but I really love this. I was blessed to be in a business that I really love. So, um, and again, next year we'll have Esther on, and she'll talk about how you get into real estate again. But just remember, most people that you read about, you read about when they're famous, and you don't look at the steps that it took to get there. And I remember that Amir was, you know, like he was in a little apartment with one bed. I don't think he even had a bedroom. It was like a studio. And I was like, well, no one's not going to know you're filming from there. And then I, instead of giving the story to the New York Times or the Post or a major magazine, I give the head story on Douglas Elliman's cells or whatever uh, to a guy who nobody even knew. But that's how much I believed in him. And um, what he's done is incredible. And, uh, and 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 uh, I look at Ace Ace. <laughs> I mean, I it took me two years to get Ace from. Well, you were in I won't mention the bank, but you were in some banks. Uh, you know, gifted program for all their superstars that they thought were going to be future superstars, which of course I knew also. And I think it took me two years to get you Ace at least. But I mean, we all came from really you know Steven. You know, I don't know you know. Did you always want to be an attorney? I'm, I'm sorry, can you say that one more time, Daddy? Excuse me? Can no, you I said, did you that? always know you wanted to be an attorney? I'm sorry, I'm in trouble hearing you on the audio. It's what? Oh, all right. Well, in any event, what I'm trying to basically say, we had a bad phone connection, sometimes that happens, is that if you are passionate about something and you think that you could, you love it, you really should try to pursue that. 
And you know what? If you ask around, there's always people I find that are very successful that if you ask somebody to mentor you, maybe some people say no, but you're always going to find somebody um, like myself. I find myself on the Internet with girls. I don't even know who they are. They're from like they're 25, and they're like, would you help me out? I'm doing this business. It's not even real estate. And I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I love being an entrepreneur. I, you know, I happen to be in the real estate business, but I love building businesses. And I, and I certainly love sharing my expertise with people because throughout my lifetime, of course, I think I had some of the greatest mentors that gave their time um, just because they were great people and they saw something in me. And I was that passionate, but I asked. And I, I remember when I was in my 20s, there was a group of, the biggest real estate companies in the country, and I was only on Long Island then, and they used to have these meetings that only the best people could go to, the biggest companies. And I said, listen, I know I don't make that company yet, but one day I will. I would come, I would pay you if you let me sit in on a meeting. I would pay you. And, of course, they didn't make me pay, but they let me come. And there I was. I was in my 20s, and I said, all these guys. And, of course, there was all guys then. Um, (laughs) And... Well, these guys, and they had these huge companies. And then they said to me, you know, Dottie, if we get anything, like, you know, any technology or anything that we think is great, fly to Cal- we'll call you, come to California, you can find out from us. And I was too small to know about things. I learned so much. So I think that all people should ask, just ask. And um, do you have any words of wisdom, anybody? Like, Ace, how did... What do you what do you think of people I mean, want to get into the mortgage business? Yeah, if if they want to get into the mortgage business or the real estate business, Dottie, you know, uh, and thank you so much for all the kind words. Um, well, you know, always, true. I don't say but, 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 but similar to Amir, right? Um, he truly, truly wanted to make a difference in the marketplace. You know, I, I've had the pleasure of knowing him for almost uh, um, you know a number of years now, and. He's done phenomenal as it becomes the standard um, if, if you want to publish something in the, in the real deal, right? And, you know, for me, it, it's a passion of mine. I love real estate. You know, I, I've told you the story, Dottie, where I always wanted to, invest in real, where, where I wanted to invest in real estate. So for me, it was a source of education on how to actually leverage other people's money, which is the bank's money, right? So it, it really drew me into becoming the best version of myself as it pertains to mortgage, because I wanted to learn it for myself. So when I speak with a client, you know, they, they really, they really see the passion behind what I'm, what I'm doing and things of that nature. And when it, when you have a passion and you're working a lot, it becomes, you don't feel like you're working a lot. Right. And that's exactly. the one thing that I want to tell our listeners. It's, it's not the amount of hours that you put in, because if you're interested in your, in your trait or in your craft, you're going to study about it. You're going to, look at different things that other people are doing, even on your time off, so supposedly, quote-unquote, time off, right? It, and you're never off. So that's why it's, it's fun. Uh, you're building something at the same time. So I, I would just tell our listeners, try to find something that you're passionate about, even if it's music, even if it's, you know, there's so many people now creating careers with the Internet. It's, it's just amazing how people are now, they have their 9 to 5, but they also have their passion as well, right? So, so you just got to find what your passion is as you're kind of going through your, your own journey, life journey. And, and if you find that passion, you're going to do really, really well. So that's, that's probably the best advice I can tell anyone that's listening. That's great advice. And you don't always know your passion. As I, as I said, yeah, I, you don't know. You know, I didn't dream of becoming a real estate person. Right? I mean, it wasn't in my, that I was growing up. 
And again, when I was growing up, I don't think real estate was held as such. You know, I mean, I, I don't think people kind of looked at it as a profession other than they said, oh, divorced women go in there and guys that retire early go in there and, you know, whatever. Um, it wasn't what it is today. I mean, it's today and you have to have so many skills. When I started, it was kind of, oh, here's what you do. You show three houses, one average, one good, and one bad, and they'll buy one of them. Okay? I mean, it was, like, so different. And there was only three mortgages, I think, eight. Let me go back. There was FHA, which is federally subsidized, and there was VA, if you were a veteran. And then there was a conventional mortgage. And then they had the negative ad mortgages because the interest rates, the year that I started real estate, I think the interest rates went up to 17 or 18%. And people said, how and why would you come into the business? All the people that were there years said, why would you start a business when the interest rates were, I mean, I think they were 13 or 14 at the time. They went up to 17. Uh, and I said, well, I don't know when it was good. I don't know the good times. So if I get through this time, the rest of it will be a piece of cake. And frankly, during that time where the interest rates were so high, um, we really had to learn a lot because we had to work with the homeowners to sell the houses where they would take back mortgages. We would do a lot of diff- different things. But, it, but, I, but again, I said I'm truly blessed. I am very sorry that I couldn't do but I really want to read them. They're so great, and I want to be able to publish them. And before I put them online, I have to ask your permission. Uh, so I hear. But I didn't forget the $1,000. And um, we will not be on the air for Christmas and for New Year's. So we have one more show. And um, and then we're gonna we're gonna take a little vacation ourselves. Um, so I I just um, want to say get out there. And um, I think what 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 Amir said is true. You have to learn the business. I mean, you want a broker to tell you that this is a great deal or this is a good deal. But you have to get out there. Signing off. Saying goodbye. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back next week. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.